It's my privilege to, uh, to talk to you guys this morning. Uh, I'm just going to pray really quickly uh, first. Um, God, thank you for everyone in this room. Thank you for your church, your kingdom, everything that you are building. And thank you that we live in a place that we can meet freely uh, to fellowship, uh, to get into your word, to worship together. Uh, and praise your name. So God, we thank you that you are clearly already here this morning. Uh, just open up for all of us, uh, our eyes, our hearts, our ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Thank you, God. So I'll try to be clear. Um, I'm going to start this morning doing something I don't think I've done here before, and that's start in the Old Testament. I've read some Old Testament uh, here, but I, I don't think I've focused on it in the past. Uh, Psalm 23, um, it's a big fan favorite. I think it's uh, responsible for a lot of probably songs, hymns, and bumper stickers and inspirational posters. Probably would have sold a lot of 45s in the 60s. Uh, they close all the Christian bookstores in Toronto, so I, I may never know what else they're selling. But uh, what I really want to talk about is the Good Shepherd, who is Jesus, and the significance of uh, his role as the Good Shepherd. So I'll just start reading. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, that says, I shall not want, but I'm gonna, I prefer the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, I will not want. David most definitely knew the Lord God Yahweh, but ten centuries later, Jesus backs up uh, this claim of the, the, the Lord being the good shepherd and the claim of leadership, been or ever has been a leader who can truthfully say, my grace is sufficient for you, or can confidently say, all things work together for the good of those who follow me or abide in me, apart from Jesus, the good shepherd. So that's who he is. But where is he leading us? Verse 2 tells us he's leading us to rest. He's leading us to green pastures. Not a green pasture. He's a plural, green pastures. Quiet waters, it's plural. It's not one place of rest, but he's leading us to rest, uh, to restoration, a place of refreshing. And this is not an end goal. Uh, I do think rest and restoration in their fullness are part of the fully realized kingdom of heaven at the end of days. But this is frequent recurring visits to green pastures, quiet, refreshing waters, much like a shepherd leads his flock to food and water daily. A place where he restores my soul. I don't think we're talking about redemption from sin here in this restoration. Clearly, that's included in the package of choosing to follow the Good Shepherd, but a release from anxiety, that restoration, a release from burden and woes, um, those anxious cares that can weigh us down, that dizzying hum that can fill up all the empty space and take over our thoughts. It's a very different release, um, having moved past something or um, knocked something off the, the, the task list um, of those things that, that worry us, the, the, the the job or the good report from the doctor or, uh, or whatever it is that might, might plague our thoughts. Um, that's all positive, and I'll pray for all of those things for all of you for that to be a reality. But that uh, kind of having something done just pales in comparison to knowing the joy of the Lord and his peace, his power flowing through you because those problems and those worries, real as they are, are so small when you're resting in the one that cares for you where you can say, I have no job, but my God is good. I have bills, but my God is good. I'm only talking about me right now. Um, you might say that's easy for me to say, and despite what privilege I might have, it, it's not, because I'm weak and I fail. 
But God is good, and he leads me to that place of rest repeatedly. We're talking about where we're going and how we get there. He's also leading us through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, through the darkest valley. And that shadow of the valley of death, according to verse 3, is along right paths. It's along paths of righteousness. So he's leading me along right paths. I don't think he's, he's misguiding me uh, across the, the shadow of the valley of death. Those who go through hardships and act as if the Lord is somehow letting them down, um, letting them down his promises for them, are possibly not the most well-read when it comes to scriptures because of what this says here. We should rejoice because in this valley we can walk without fear because you are with me. I have no job, but you are with me. I have bills, but you are with me. The doctor gave me bad news, but you are with me. These valleys are along the right path. As you are with me is where this psalm gets intimate and personal. We've gone from talking about God, about the Good Shepherd, about Jesus. We're now talking to him. It's in the valley where we are more postured to cry out to God than we are to just talk about him, as David and probably the rest of us are well aware. It's in the valley that we draw close to him. There's a purpose in the valley. It's in the valley that we are hopefully too scared to wander, in the valley where we learn to trust in him as opposed to just saying something with our mouths that our hearts may not reflect. Um, I'm thankful for the places of rest, but I think that growth uh, and closeness to God grows in the valley. And I'm sure many of us have stories of the valley of how we learn to draw close and trust in that place, sharpened when tested while reading this psalm from 3,000 years ago, uh, a ska song from 1997 came to mind. Not a Christian band, not professing believers, but the lyrics in this bridge, I'm not a coward, I've just never been tested. I'd like to think if I was, I would pass. Look at the tested and think, there but for the grace go I. I might be a coward, I'm afraid of what I might find out. There's a danger in the valley that the sheep might reject the shepherd. But here in the West, I'm more fearful of being untested. I'm more fearful of what abundance and excess does to a heart than I am of what little danger, a little danger and persecution does. I'd much rather hold close to the shepherd's knee in the darkest valley than lose sight of him in the tall grass or grow to feel entitled to accessible, cool, refreshing waters. It's in the valley we can quote Psalm 27 and say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then back to Jesus' words in John 10. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. This is Jesus talking about protecting us from those wolves. He's telling us the wolves are coming, or other leaders will flee as they care not for the sheep. He's saying, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. They know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. We have one good leader who's leading us through righteous paths, through the shadow of the valley of death where we have no place to fear, to places of rest, if you have the luxury of traveling, sometimes the better place lies beyond a treacherous road. Or a ter- for my own uh, history, a terrifying bus ride along a cliff. You think you're going to fall 
into the pits of Greece. Um, many who have come through New Life Church have done so as refugees who in faith have traveled to or from a place that is a danger to them to get someplace better. They've gone through the valley to get somewhere. I think for a lot of us, that place on the other side of the valley is just a place of greater trust. It's in the valley that we learn to trust. And I'd argue it's a better place to be in a place of trusting God than a place of complacent rest. We can take God at his word, but he will back it up with our experience. And I think that's part of what the valley's for. And somewhere else we're going. He's preparing a table. So we're going to a feast. He's leading us into rest, and he's also leading us into joy. I think that's what a feast is. A table prepared for us where our cup overflows. We're rested, we're refreshed, and our cup overflows. A place where we are anointed with oil. That's something that won't happen if you come to dinner at my house. But the anointing with oil is the mark of an honored guest. Something we don't deserve. It's an elevated place of joy. Well, still in the presence of my enemies. And how frustrating for my enemies that the shepherd would see fit to comfort me, give me an honored place at the table in the midst of their plans and schemes to break me down. How frustrating for my enemies when in a place of pain, need, and deficiency, I can say goodness and mercy are right around the corner. They're following me, chasing me down. Goodness and mercy are right behind me. Even when we are unhappy, we can say we have the joy of the Lord and the joy of the Lord is our strength and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So again, where is he leading us? Rest, restoration, through the valley in difficult times, into joy, into confidence, to the feast, along the path of righteousness. That's who's leading us, part of where he's leading us. Why is he leading us? And the answer might seem obvious, but I don't think we think about it enough. I think the reason he is leading us, the Good Shepherd, is the same reason he does most things. Yes, because he loves us, but for the sake of his good name. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, for the sake of his good name, because he is good and because it should be known that he is good. We're here today because he is good. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to plagiarize myself, repeating a talk I gave back in August. Maybe I'm just lazy. I'm well, copy-pasting here, but I think it's an important thing to understand. God is for us, but before that, God is for his glory. He is jealous for me, and he is zealous for his glory. The good shepherd guides us along the right path for the sake of his name. And just like I did before, I'm going to prove it with Isaiah 48, 9-11, where God says, It's for my name's sake that I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction, but for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory will not, I will not give to another. God is, cares about his name. Just in, the, in that, that passage, he said, for my name's sake, for the sake of my praise, for my own sake, for my own sake, how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. God created us, for his glory. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who's called by my name who I created for my glory. I didn't just make up that you were created for his glory. That's also from Isaiah. And the list goes on, and I've actually saved a list on my laptop of all these verses. I think it's really exciting. Um, 
that uh, all these places where God said he is just for his glory. Um, scriptures will tell you that Israel was rescued for his glory. Israel was scattered for his glory. Sins are forgiven for his glory. We have the Holy Spirit given to us for the glory of God. God is zealous for his glory. Jesus said that he answers prayer that God would be glorified. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified. That's also from John. So I'm not making it up. It's all, all over scriptures. Your prayers are answered to the purpose of his glory. How many of us pray that way? Father, I ask for the glory of your name. Are we living to the purposes of his glory? He's leading us for the glory of his name. He's also leading us into reconciliation for the glory of his name, reconciliation with the Father, making peace between us and the Father so that we no longer have to fear his wrath. Colossians says, For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. That reconciliation is not a place that we could lead ourselves. It's not a place that we could get to ourselves. Yes, he loves us, but he's leading us to impossible places for his glory and for the sake of his good name. As a teenager, I saw uh, athlete Mike Pinball Clemens, which maybe some people remember. He was a, a big Argonaut when the city still cared about the Argonauts and gridiron football. Um, but as a, probably to the peak of his Hall of Fame career, he still holds a whole bunch of records. With all his accolades and praise, um, seeing him speak in his Floridian accent, which I won't do, he, on a stage in front of many, many people, described himself as a turtle on a fence post, which caught my attention. Uh, he, he said, if you see a turtle on a fence post, it did not get there by itself. God is leading us to impossible places for his glory. These are places we can't get to on our own for the sake of his good name. I'm willing to live as a turtle on a fence post and say, I'm here because someone really important put me here. He gives us that peace in the knowledge that we don't have to be good enough, that we can follow him. We probably question ourselves in this regard constantly. Am I good enough? Fill in the blank. Something probably came to mind right away. Wife, husband, pastor, student, speaker, parent, artist, leader, baker, candlestick maker. Am I a good enough follower, son? Am I faithful enough? Should I even be asking this? Is this confirmation of my doubt? Am I even a believer? Uh, my wise wife, who's upstairs looking after the, the kids, um, has expressed a comfort in stating, I want to be obedient to God for the sake of my love for him, not out of fear that I could mess up his plans. I am way too small to mess up his plans. It's not about you. It's about his glory. His plans are safe and secure. So I encourage you to meditate more on the, uh, I think, the most significant and unifying theme of scriptures, that God is sovereign in all things, working to display his glory, and we are part of that story. The good shepherd is leading us not only out of his love, but for the glory of the Father. So I think we've got where, we're leading, where he's leading us, We've got some why he's leading us, and I get to a little of how he's leading us. There's not too much more. So God is leading, but do we follow? How do we follow? Well, again, apparently along right paths or righteous paths. 
We follow through obedience and keeping his commandments, but what commandments? We know that there was 10 written down and they didn't seem to do the trick. Uh, my favorite summation of what it is to follow his commandments is in 1 John, which is actually what I started trying to write about and ended up in the Psalms. Um, but 1 John 3.23, I think it's worth bookmarking, highlighting, and getting tattooed on your forehead. Uh, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. We believe in the name of Jesus Christ, and we love one another, just as he commanded us. With that, we're good. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. I'll borrow some old country bluegrass lyrics much older than 1997 ska. It's a bit corny, bear with me. I should have brought a banjo. Uh, lyrics say, I'm using my Bible for a road map. The Ten Commandments, they tell me what to do. The Twelve Disciples are my road signs, and Jesus will take me safely through. It's a fun song, look it up. I don't think it gives us a complete picture, but the idea is there. David speaks of following the law and a love for following the law all through the Psalms. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Uh, He speaks of his love for the law. God, I love your law. I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set my heart on your laws. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The law, the word, the scripture. Yes, it's a roadmap. Um, I think it's much deeper than just being a roadmap, but it's uh, the same sentiment is there. Lord, your word guides me, so therefore I will love your word, cherish your word, meditate on your word. Perhaps you've never loved a roadmap, but if you've been lost, I guarantee your feelings for a roadmap or navigation of any kind will grow fonder and darker the colder it gets. Lots of anecdotes about when I've been lost in, uh, in my own life and been thankful for finding that gas station where there was no cell, cell service to read the map book that we forgot to, forgot to bring. Um, and now we rely on our GPS. I was in the States uh, in August, and our, ro- our cell provider just dropped the ball, and we had to like stop at gas stations to look at a map, or, or McDonald's to get some Wi-Fi to look at a map. Would have loved to have something with us to follow. Um, there's much more significant stories about getting lost, but I don't need to get distracted with fun anecdotes. Um, I'm actually the, uh, the navigator, my wife's the driver, and you know, I'll get to that in a minute. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, there you go. Well, now I'll get to it now. When the tools are working, I am constantly checking and rechecking that we're going the right way, because if we get lost, it's only one person's fault. <laughs> and so I think we should find ourselves meditating on those scriptures day and night because if we find ourselves lost, it's only one person's fault. It's not the map's fault. At the same time, I've never seen a shepherd hand a road map to a sheep. So what other ways are we led? We just read in 1 John, by the Spirit whom he has given us. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Really easy to remember those two things rather than a whole list of ten. Believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, love one another as he's commanded us. Whoever abides 
keeps his commandments, abides in God, and God in him. That is a great reward. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he's given us. So we know that he abides in us by the spirit. That is a whole sermon in itself, but I'm going to touch on it. I'm just going to wrap up with a couple points on the spirit he's given us from Paul in Romans. Romans 8 says, All who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. So we have the written word, but we also must have our eyes and ears looking and listening. Our posture turned towards him so that we may see and hear where we are to go. Our thoughts towards him so we are ready to receive revelation. So we're able to know that if the path we're on is the will of God. Can't follow the shepherd if we're not looking to him. So how are we to know the will of God? Also from Romans. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may know and approve of what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So Scripture is telling us that we can know the will of God by being transformed by the renewal of our mind, by not conforming to this world, by not following shepherds that are hired hand that do not care for the sheep. I'm going to wrap it up right about here. So where is he leading us? He's leading us to rest. He will give rest. He does give rest. He'll bring about restoration. He refreshes my soul. He has refreshed my soul, and he refreshes my soul. He brings us to the feast. He'll lead us into the fullness of life away from death, a life where we are reconciled to the Father. And we follow. We follow meditating on the gift of his word, sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit, transformed by the renewal of our mind that we may know that righteous path. He's laid down his life for us, and we are called to do the same in loving our brothers and sisters. That verse from John isn't just behind one another. That is laying down our life and loving our brothers and sisters in Christ with the love of the Father, the truth of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then God, I'm speaking to God, and God, surely your goodness, your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in your house, the house of the Lord forever. So thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are the good good, good shepherd. God, as as I prayed at the beginning, pray in everything that we do, that you, we know you're always with us. Help us, guide us in the renewal of our mind, the transformation of our hearts, so that our eyes, our hearts, our ears are always towards you on the right paths, following the good shepherd who will never lead us astray. Amen.